Thanks for taking time to listen to this episode of The Real Rescue Podcast. Take a minute to go to therealrescue.com to check out these and other great deals from our sponsors here at The Real Rescue. This episode of The Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And rescueswimmershop.com, official high quality apparel featuring the silhouette. Breeze Eastern, they dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help your helicopter training. They train daytime, nighttime, aerial firefighting, hoist, longline, fast rope, rappel, and more. They can assist your program with standardization and safety checks or just an FAA annual refresher. With the certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew, they are ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. Plus, right now, SR3 is offering 10% off anything in their web store with the promo code, all capital letters, REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Plus, they are offering 10% from their partners, Petzl, and their equipment. All you got to do is send an email to info at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Mention this podcast, The Real Rescue Podcast, and they'll take care of the rest. 15 years ago, photographer and Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 526, Chris Razor, created an iconic photograph. This photograph depicted the silhouette of a helicopter rescue swimmer reaching down for an outstretched hand in need against the American flag backdrop. The image went viral and became a symbol worldwide for the rescue community and the people they help. Its wild popularity inspired Chris to launch RescueSwimmerShop.com, a web store offering official high-quality apparel featuring his evocative image, The Silhouette. T-shirts, hats, patches, and stickers featuring The Silhouette are available at RescueSwimmerShop.com, including the flagship design, So Others May Live. Follow Chris and his story on Instagram with the handle at Rescue Swimmer Shop. And if you are a rescue swimmer, support rescue swimmers, or just tell people you are one at the bar, this gear is definitely for you. When you get to the website, rescueswimmershop.com, enter the promo code, all lowercase, one word, rescue, R-E-S-C-U-E, for 10% off your order. I love having the opportunity to sit down with some of the rescue swimmers that started the actual rape. In this episode, we get to talk to a guy who was stationed in San Francisco, and one of his cases, they took his 
experience and they brought it to advanced rescue swimmer school and that's where we started learning how to swim into the rocks and up on cliffs and when the waves break in here and how to transition here and cave stuff so all that stuff that happened in advanced this is one of the reasons that it happened so please welcome united states coast guard rescue swimmer number 35 mr steve fry my name is jason quinn I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Real Rescue Podcast. Today I've got with me my man that started this whole rescue swimmer Coast Guard thing. It's awesome to have him here. Mr. Steve Fry, United States Coast Guard, rescue swimmer number 35. What's up, buddy? Hey, good morning. How are you doing? Man, I am fantastic. Good morning to you. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. So it's good stuff, you know. I hear about all you guys back in the old school stuff that, that, you know, paved the way for us younger guys. And uh, yeah, you guys, you guys had one heck of a, one heck of a go. <laughs> it, it was a giant learning curve for the entire Coast Guard. Yeah. Like people that, you know, pilots that didn't want you to uh, flip a coin. Let me flip a coin. See if I'm going to take you or the pump. <laughs> oh, you know, Butch Flight to talk about stuff. And, uh, you know, Steve Hathaway. Labo, George Cavallo, you know, all these guys that came out and was telling us just everything that's happened. So I'm excited to get your perspective of it because you, you were in a couple of units, actually one of them being San Francisco and I haven't had anybody on the podcast from San Francisco. So this is going to be fun. I'm excited, but because I know you a little bit uh, and you, if you don't mind, just introduce yourself to the world and who you are, where you are, what your background is and how you got into search and rescue. Well, so uh, I actually went and joined the Coast Guard back in the 70s. It was uh, early 79. And, uh, you know, back then, the, I went to the recruiter and uh, I had gone to the Navy and they like, yeah, we want you yet next week. Let's go. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, slow down. And then I went to talk to the Coast Guard guy and he's like, uh, yeah, you can go to any school and um, I, I don't need you for seven months. <laughs> I've got all my billets filled in and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so it was not a really hard sale. And he just said, you're going to hate boot camp. You'll love the coast guard. So I said, let's go. Nice. But uh, anyway, we waited. Uh, I went to a buoy tender for a couple of years and I uh, was waiting for a school, which was ASM school at that time in uh, Lakehurst, New Jersey. Uh, went there and then San, or, uh, Sitka was my first air station out of there and then uh, Cape Cod, San Francisco for a couple, well, for seven years. And then uh, back to the Cape, as they always say, back to the Cape. Back to the Cape. Yeah. You know, cause I'm from Boston. I, I get that. Most people don't understand. We say, oh, I'm going to the Cape. They're like, where's yeah. the Cape? No, Cape Cod. Yeah, it's the Cape. That's all you need to know. Yeah, back <laughs> in the Cape. Yeah, like you're going to the vineyard. Ah, I'm going to the vineyard. It's Martha's Vineyard or Martha's Vineyard if you're from there. <laughs> nice um when you uh when you got into a school and it being the asm rate you there were not swimmers yet that was still parachute packing and all that stuff right survival gear and it was also at the navy school so a, a lot of times later in my career 
people would say like, oh, you know, the donut at E-City. I said, I've never been to E-City. And they're like, wait a minute, I don't understand. <laughs> How can you be in aviation and you don't know the donut in E-City? I'm going to like, okay. So I went to Lakehurst, New Jersey, and I went to Pensacola, Florida, both Navy schools for the Coast Guard. And I'm going like, I, I don't know, no outlaw. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. All right, so now that we, we know you've, you've never seen Elizabeth Sea, by the way, for everybody that doesn't know, in Elizabeth Sea, which I don't believe is there anymore, I, I'd have to look into it, but they used to have what's called the donut. And the donut was the barracks, but it was a big round donut and you could run around the entire thing and all the rooms were in, you know, was, there was no corners in the building. It was just a big round building. <laughs> so... Oh, that's funny. I'm, I, I find that actually quite amusing that you were never there. <laughs> that's yeah. good. But um, all right, so now you made it through A school and you get to your first unit. Now, you guys back in the day were hoist operators as well as, you know, drop masters and everything else because like swimmer was almost secondary. So what was your first case? Oh, well, so yeah, there were no swimmers then. And, and, you know, I went through the flight mech hoist operator syllabus and I became an H3 flight mech. And I mean, I love doing that. I, I, you know, my dad was a mechanic and I love working on helicopters and, and doing the hoisting. Uh, actually, I do, you know, one thing, first case, I remember we flew down to the end of Baranoff Island, which Sitka is on Baranoff Island in the southeast part of Alaska and uh, like a six week old baby had gotten burned because the parents had taken the baby from, you know, they live there and it's like a community of like 50 people and um, the baby had some kind of breathing issue. So they had to make like this steam tent for it. And then the hot water ended up spilling onto the baby. And then we had to do a medevac you know, we land on like the lava at low tide at, outside this little town at the end of Baranoff Island. And uh, then we medevac the baby back to the hospital in Sitka. Wow. And, uh, but, you know, with the H3 back then, you took the patient, you took the mother, you took the father, you took, you just loaded everybody in. It was like a giant bus. Yeah. <laughs> Holy smoke. So once you bring the baby back to Sitka, drop it off and. Yep. Then, yep. But yeah, a lot of, you know, a lot of second degree burns, but you know, again, that's like 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A minute ago. I love how it still stands out to you. That's, that's pretty funny. We actually talk about that with a couple other guys, like the, the big cases for us that, that really stand out. So, or little cases, I should say that kind of stand out, but well, you sent me uh a actually it's not even that you sent me because i i actually googled your name and i found it before you sent it to me so which makes that even cooler but you earned yourself a coast guard medal for a case you did out of san francisco and i'd love to get into that and if you don't mind i'd, I'd like to read the write-up and then uh and then you can just take us through it is that cool sure all right citation to accompany the award of the coast guard medal to stephen r fry Aviation Survival Man First Class, United States Coast Guard. The President of the United States of America takes pleasure in presenting 
the Coast Guard Medal to Survivalman First Class Stephen R. Fry, United States Coast Guard, for extraordinary heroism while serving as rescue swimmer aboard Coast Guard Helicopter 1484 on the evening of April 1, 1991. The air crew was engaged in a perilous rescue of two men trapped on the base of a jagged rock cliffs in the San Francisco coast. With no escape route and rapidly rising tide, the survivors were swept into the rocky crevasse where they were being battered by eight to 10 foot breaking waves. In approaching darkness, Pedestra Fry was deployed from the helicopter into the dangerous seas. Immediately upon entering the water, he was swept onto a rock crevasse near the survivors. He swam through the rocky coastline waters in heavy surf to reach the survivors, despite sustaining injuries to himself while being driven into the rocks and underwater numerous times. He continued to persevere. Upon reaching the victims, he quickly assessed their condition and prepared to transport the one nearly lifeless survivor through the surf to a position where he could be hoisted to safety. Fully aware of the risk involved and the nearing physical exhaustion, Pedestra Fry went back to complete the rescue of the second survivor. Pedestra Fry demonstrated remarkable initiative, exceptional fortitude, and a daring in spite of imminent personal danger in the rescue. His courage and devotion to duty are most heartily commended in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Coast Guard. Steve, that is one heck of a case. Holy cow. Yeah, I can't believe it's been 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 1991 to now. And, but, you know, like I've flown down through San Francisco. Like I, I know... I know a little bit of the area. I was in Humboldt Bay, so I know like the coastline. Those jagged edges, the rocks, the crevasses, I know exactly what you're talking about and, and what they're saying in the award. But, you know, you're, you're battling that because you get guys that get stuck on those areas and with a rising tide. Like, what was, what was the call out? What, do you remember what you got called for? Uh, yeah, well, I remember that whole day very well, actually. <laughs> I'm sure and, uh, so, uh, well, I'm not talking about the backside, but anyway, we were, uh, we went on a night flight. So when they say approaching darkness, it, it was dark. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was dark and stormy. <laughs> um, so we actually had gone, um, over to work, uh, a night flight and I had already done a deployment. We had already, you know, we were going to do mins and things like that. So we were working with a 41 footer from Yerba Wayne Island. And we said, you know, we briefed, this is the first ev evolution, second evolution, whatever. I did the first night evolution, came back in. They said, like, get back in and closing the door. And I'm like, wait a minute, we didn't brief this. What's going on? Get the headsets on. They're going like, we got a case. We're going right from basically Alcatraz, right over the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge. They're like, we got a call. We get over there and, uh, probably a 70 to 100 foot high cliff. You can see the fire department guys, their reflective gear is showing and, and they're like shining lights down into the water. And eventually we spot these two guys way back in a crevice, you know, with an overhanging ledge. And I'm like, well, actually we only spotted one. And I'm like, and then all of a sudden I go, I think there's a second guy there. And he looked like he's floating face down. Holy cow. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't good. And there's just absolutely no way to get down in there except 
from the ocean. Wow. So we didn't take a lot of time to discuss it and said, let's go for it. And uh, uh, in, in we went night deployment and, uh, you know, and we'll talk about advanced rescue swimmer school in a little bit, but that had a lot to play with it. Um, what is known as advanced rescue swimmer school now. Yeah. Uh, but I use some of those techniques that I learned, um, you know, you don't want to be a foot and a half from a rock cliff when the wave breaks because that energy is just going to throw you into the rock. So if you see a wave coming, you jump onto the rock and then you're just already there. You just have the wave on you and you're not driven into the rock. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. Oh, yeah. yeah, it does to me. Um, and, but, um, you know, so using that, I was able to maneuver around and finally get into the to the crevice and, and into, into the mouth of the cave, more or less. And uh, the one guy that was still standing, he kind of pushed the guy that was laying down. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll take this body. And as I rolled him over to do the cross chest carry, he gasped. And I went, holy crap, this guy's still alive. Wow. And um, so, you know, we're all the way in and pushed back in there and probably in knee deep water or so by the time you know knee to waist deep water and of course i turn around to head back out and sets of waves of three are coming in and i'm trying to time it you know at night and you can't really see what's coming in and i turn around and you look up and i'm like holy crap that's a wave and it's got to be eight to ten foot and it's about to break which is where it's going to release all its energy so duck diving we go to the bottom grab whatever rocks you can slide in move out you know keep working out duck diving under the waves grabbing whatever i could on the bottom to keep from uh sliding back into the you know coastline uh eventually you know this cross chest carrying this guy uh get out through the surf i i don't remember how long it took but you know i was pretty jacked up and got the guy into the basket and uh they, they were recovering them. And I'm like, there, there's no way I can go get this other guy right now. And I, I don't even know how long this guy's going to last. Wow. So use the old PRC 90 contacted the helicopter, told him to just send the hook down, pick me up. I knew Presidio was a three minute flight underneath the golden gate bridge. They already had an ambulance waiting at the pad. I said, let's, let's get this guy over to the ambulance and, I need a five minute break. It's just the way it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, we got him over there, transferred him off. And, you know, it was one of those things I got him in the helicopter, established basic uh, vitals. I mean, he was able to open his eyes, follow me a little bit. He's breathing. He's got a pulse. Later on, I found out his body core temperature was 78 degrees. Uh, when he got into the hospital, he, he should have been dead. Um, anyway, we transferred him off, get back in, you know, the head still turning, got back out to get the other guy. And, uh, they're like, let's, let's go get this guy. And what do you think? And of course I'm like, yeah, I can do it in the back of my head. Like, I'm going to try. <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> anyway, go back in, get all the way in there. And, uh, I, I grabbed that guy and uh, 
we started turning around to go out. And once again, as soon as I turned around, another wave smacked us and he got thrown out of my arms. I went tossing and turning. We got driven all the way back into the crevice and I'm going like, yeah, this, this isn't good. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, as we got pushed back there, it's like all white foamy, you know, whatever. And I'm there like, okay, I'm just going to wait for this wave to release and we'll stand up, get out of there. And, uh, I waited, you know, kind of like when you're in the dunker, wait for all buffeting to stop. You're going to get out and blah, blah, blah. I go, okay, just calm down. I go to get up and, uh, I'm under a ledge and I'm like, oh man, that's not good. I'm still underwater. <laughs> and, uh, I actually thought about pulling my SAR one because I, I go, no, once I do that, I'm going to be too buoyant. I'm not going to be able to duck dive. And, uh, again, old guy stuff, Tony Curtis playing, uh, Houdini when he gets dropped into the ice water Yeah. and he comes out and in the movie, he's finding air up underneath the ice until he can find his way. I'm starting to think I got to find an air pocket underneath this ledge. Um, Anyway, I end up coming out, reestablished with the victim, and, uh, you know, we started making our way out again, and just wave after wave, and I, you know, as I mentioned, I listened to Steve Hathaway's uh, podcast, and it's, you just got to get mad, and you just got to want it, you can't give up, you just got to keep doing it, and uh, away we did, we got out of there, and I think his body core temperature was 84 or 86, so he wasn't as bad off, but still, that's pretty severely hypothermic. And uh, both 18-year-old kids got trapped in there from low tide, walking around the coastline. And uh, there we go. Steve, that's gnarly. <laughs> you know, it, it talks about, um, and actually you sent me an article. This is one of the things you, that I, I definitely had gone and read over, but the article had said you sustained some pretty good injuries to your leg, to your ribs, to your back. So when you were getting tossed around with the waves, you were literally getting tossed around and, and like uncontrollably into the rocks. Oh, so before you had electronic games, pinball was the game. I don't know if anybody remembers pinball games. I was a pinball. <laughs> Just ding, 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 ding. And, and the score is running up with Steve. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Especially when you get between the bumper and an edge and it just starts really going. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, man. Steve, that's crazy. Wow. So now, all right, when you get out, you get out, like, I, I can picture it now, too. Like, you get this kid, the second kid into the basket. Did you just sit in the water for a second and be like, ah, and just kind of breathe it out? Yeah, I don't know. And that whole thing was, yeah, just kind of say, I'm glad I'm a, there's not a third person in there. I was pretty spent. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, that's crazy. Dang, man. Well done. Well, you and the whole crew. I mean, the, I, you know, like, I know it takes a full crew, but, ooh. Yeah, so, and uh, as I mentioned, before there was the advanced rescue swimmer school, and, and I had been out there in, in San Fran for five years at that point, four, 
five years. Uh, and as we talked about before, everybody's doing a lot of port and starboard. There's just, you know, they think five people is enough for a four person duty section. And you got, you know, people that are sick, people are on leave, people that need to be trained, whatever. And, uh, uh, but we used to get people and it's like you get a second class from Traverse City. This is their second station. They've ever only been in fresh water and not really understand current and surf and everything else. And it's like, hey, listen, you guys need these tools in your tool bag to be able to work in this area. And we we started a program in, at San Fran probably two or three years before the case where we would work with the, the park rangers and just kind of go over the geography of the area and learn how to work in there and did you do um, that prior to your case oh yeah yeah oh so you already so you knew what how the wave dynamic was going to go against oh that makes such a difference oh it, it made a huge difference but see here's the thing is I, I, we used to go and train and i remember looking at other swimmers and, and we'd look and we'd like don't go in the cave that's the, <laughs> the answer is just don't go in <laughs> So that's going through my head. I'm As going like, into the cave. <laughs> I'm going like, we're not supposed to be doing this. We decided in training, don't go in the cave. <laughs> but you got to go in the cave. Got to go in the cave. Your victims are in the cave. You got to go in the cave. <laughs> but yeah, yeah during training, we always said that don't, here's what we learned. Don't go in the cave. <laughs> um, wow. That's, that's crazy. So let, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to switch gears a little bit to advanced rescue swimmers, uh, advanced ARS, advanced rescue swimmer school, uh, which is up in Astoria, Oregon. It's what all of us swimmers go to. Like you graduate a school, you go to your uni you qualified, boom. Then all of a sudden you're dropped into advanced school. That was an amazing training for me. I loved it. I was able to go two times for sure. I think it might've been a third, but I, I apologize. I don't remember two for sure though. And amazing training and that's exactly what you get talking about with getting pushed up on the rocks and how to ride that wave and judge the wave um in and out of caves like we actually swam into the cave you know while we were there but we had a, a very benign cave up in astoria it was it was not yeah i know i picked it out oh see so you yeah it was it was enough where you're like, oh yeah, the current will will really jack you up, but nobody was ever going to die in that in particular cave, at least as far as I know. <laughs> but um, and then cliff ops and and we we got advanced rescue swimmer school really got into it. So how where did you come into play to make all that happen? So after that case, uh, we looked at a bunch of different things. Like you know, our fins are great for out in well out in more calm water, I'm just saying, but once you get into a surf area and the water is made up of foam, it's air and water, you don't get a lot of push out of those fins. So, you know, we looked at duck fins, we looked at wearing helmets, everybody's wearing helmets a lot now. I do, oh, I, we, I never we, leave the aircraft without a helmet, swim helmet. Well, we, didn't, yeah. we didn't have them, you had yeah. your hood. Yeah. That was what you had. And um, so a lot of things came, you know, a lot of questions were being asked. And then the stand team at the time reached out to me and said, hey, listen, there's a need for a more advanced rescue swimmer. We go and we do stuff in the pool and we learn. I mean, well, 
I went to Navy rescue swimmer school. We learned to get 25 year old fit pilots that just ejected from an aircraft out of the water. No one ever said the guy that's fishing, the guy that fell off the boat, the guy that's in the sinking boat, the guy that's walking along the cliff, yeah. um, you know, grandma, you grandma never taking a walk on the beach, you get swept out. Yeah, exactly. Kid, same thing, get swept out. Yeah. So you need to interface with what you're really doing. And it's great basic training in swimmer school, fitness and, and techniques, but you needed that advanced rescue swimmer element to get out there and actually do the interface between what we're actually doing and what we know what to do. And I think, uh, you know, once the stand team got on board and I don't remember how that all happened. I know they came to me. We went up to Astoria and uh, the surf rescue school at the Columbia River Bar area. We spent quite a bit of time up there and uh, talking about how this is all going to develop and, and this, you know, can Astoria support this? Is this a great place? And, and as you already know, that's where it's located. Yes. And, great, and, and I, I thought it was a great place, great school. A sidebar to this, and nothing against Master Chief Jellicasco or Jim Sherman, but those guys were up there, and we had gone out and done the surf thing one day, and then it's like, you know, okay, we're just going to swim back into the lighthouse or whatever. So I'm starting, you know, we're all in our gear and we're all swimming in, and I, and no, no offense, Master Chief, he looked a little tired, so I grabbed him and I put him in a cross chest carry, and I started carrying. <laughs> carrying him into shore and so you know and he i don't know if you ever met him he's 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 big guy you know and so i'm toting him along and i'm like all right buddy toe's going pretty good i can just tow him you know 150 yards into shore into the bay and then all of a sudden it's getting like man he is really heavy you know i'm like i'm really having to work my ass off here can and you so kick just a little bit can you can you throw a guy a bone no. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Quinny, is by the time I get all the way in there, I look back, Jim Sherman had grabbed onto the to Master Chief's fins, and then another guy grabbed onto Jim Sherman's fins, and then another guy. So I'm towing like four freaking guys. <laughs> and I'm going like, this is like an anchor. And they'll confirm that story. All right. Duly noted. We're going to call all of them out. <laughs> and I was like, I look back and they're all laughing. And I'm like, man, I, I was really having to work. Guys are a bunch of dicks. <laughs> and it was fun. Oh, man, that's hilarious. Wow. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's one heck of a case to turn into, you know, everything is current turned into. Yeah, I, I will say one more thing about advanced rescue swimmer school, too, is that advanced school got uh it got better and better as things happened throughout our rate you know you had unfortunately it was it like a, a mishap with tristan who got stuck in the cave you know that was another cave rescue you had um I, forgive me i don't remember his name but he fell off the cliff so now we have cliff ops you don't ever disconnect uh, you know, the wave that you're talking about, how to get on to rocks as the wave is coming in. Breakers, you know, because so you're swimming in the middle of the Columbia River as breakers are coming in, you know, getting out through the surf. You know, we had a lot of drills and a lot of things. So it's a week-long school that just hammers down on some great skills. So, yeah, well done. I appreciate you.
because that was fun for me. <laughs> yeah. As I said, I thought it was a great way as the management will say, you just, you need those tools in your tool bag when you yeah. need to use them. Yeah. And like you said, you know, you get guys that came from, you know, a freshwater unit, you know, Detroit, uh, Traverse City, you know, they are, it's not big surf, big surf places. You're just not there. And even down in, you know, Florida has its times where you get a hurricane come through, but for the most part, Florida waves are, are not, they're not West coast waves. There is a difference for sure. So, but nice. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I really, so anything else? What else you got? Any other good stories? Oh, oh I, well, we can't go on all day, but we could. We uh, could. I'm okay with it. <laughs> so, all right. So just to, and I, I actually, you know, 30 years later, I've just never really talked about this, but uh, the, the day of that rescue, which happened to be April 1st. And when people get to know me, it's like April fool's day. They think it's a big joke. Cause Steve does jokes, you know, but so it was kind of perfect that it was a April 1st yeah. Yeah, joke. But before we left on that case, the, the flight mechanic was like, he came up to me and it was a, it was a night flight to get a avion, avionics men, his flight mech calls. He was cross training and we had the flight instructor for the flight mechs. The pilots needed stuff. I was there and he came up to me, he says, we, we got to cancel the flight. And I'm going, what's the matter? He goes, I, I've just got a bad feeling. He goes, I got a bad feeling. I said, well, is the helicopter broke is whatever. And, and I just remember him talking to me before we went on the night flight. And he's like, I just can't tell you, I got a bad feeling. And after that case and everything, I went, I go, I don't know what you had. You had some kind of premonition, but it, it got wacky. <laughs> April fools. But, just kidding. And we never did finish the, the night flight. We, we, you know, well, no, you we call it a night. It all busted up. <laughs> Gosh. But um, yeah, so, and with that, uh, a lot of things that people didn't talk about way back then. I mean, that was even right around the time that we even started the first Iraqi freedom or whatever war. And, and, and uh, you know, a lot of stuff has come out after that where, you know, you get counseling, everything like that. I have to tell you, I was in at that point, 11 or 12 years. And I was thinking, I, I don't know. I said, I, I'm hearing these stories of these people out in 25, 30 foot waves. And uh, I'm like, I, I really wasn't sure I was going to stay in the Coast Guard for a while. I was fighting with that for the whole summer of uh, 1991. But as things turn out, you know, you're busy doing your port and starboard and everything. And I, I ended up having duty on, on uh, Thanksgiving Day, 1991. Uh, it, it, I actually was supposed to be on leave. One of the swimmers was down. I had my leave canceled. I've got duty. And um, so the call comes in on Thanksgiving Day about a, I'm going to say around a 35 foot sailboat, 70 miles off of uh, Santa Cruz, Monterey Bay. And uh, as you know, the West Coast, it wasn't really 
you know, in the middle of the day, so it wasn't dark and stormy, but it, you get winds and, and the winds were whipping up 40, 50 knots. So the waves were, I'm figuring 20, 25 foot waves, you know, seas when we were out there. Yeah. And um, again, we're in the H3. We call it the flight of Steve's because it was, uh, I was Steve, the swimmer. There was Steve, the flight mech, Steve, the avionicsman, Steve, the co-pilot and the pilot was Randy so we just said this is the flight of Steve's <laughs> anyway we get out there and uh this couple which I thought they were elderly then but now I'm their age they were in their mid-60s <laughs> and uh they wanted to come off their boat you know their hull had split and they were 70 miles off their sailboat was getting beat up pretty bad and uh he said, all right, well, we got to get them off. And we, you kids just can't hoist to a sailboat. The mast is whipping all around, all the lines. And uh, they didn't have survival suits. Uh, we, we were able to take some of our survival suits, get them on a trail line, fly upwind and deliver them. It's kind of like flying a kite upside down. You know how a kite will go up into the air, only you, suits are hanging off the trail line way back behind your tail rotor. And you just kind of back them in over the edge of the boat. Anyway, we delivered them some survival suits. They put them on. We convinced them one at a time. You got to get in the water. We'll come and get you. And uh, I remember, you know, again, this is six months out from the cave. And I, I remember looking down and I had never seen, I'd never been deployed into seas that big. And uh, the waves are coming up and I, and I just said to the pilot, I said, hey, do me a favor before we do this. I said, just pull into a hover. And he said, well, what do you want? I said, well, I just want to know that you can handle a hover because 70 miles is, might be just outside me swimming back. 70 miles to Holy shit. Because, <laughs> you know, we had already talked about leaving people on scene and stuff. Uh, anyway. That's hilarious. Steve, that's awesome. <laughs> so... I said, I just want to make sure you can hold a hover and get me back. <laughs> anyway, we get in the door, you know, back then, 15 feet, you're supposed to deploy from 15 feet. Well, when we first started the program, we we're like, go higher, go higher. You know, this, well, this is 25, go higher, 30, 35, like, go higher. We got to know what we're doing. Well, by this time, I was like, I was looking down there and it's like, I'm 35 feet up in the crest, you know, the trough of the wave. And I'm like, can the guy taps me on the shoulder. I'm like, get down lower. And the pilot's now looking at a wave coming up the cockpit. And he says, I ain't getting any lower. <laughs> Holy <laughs> Time it. And it's only 15, 20 feet if you get into the crest of the wave versus the trough of the wave, because you're going to add another 20, 25 foot fall. Anyway, deployed from the aircraft. And this is when I have coined the term swimming on the inclined plane. So, you know, we do a lot of stuff swimming in the pool and it's a 25 yard pool or whatever. And I'm like, I'm swimming the length of the pool down the backside of this wave. That's great. Now I got to swim up the other side. And oh, by the way, the top six feet is breaking white water. Oh, God. <laughs> but, um, Anyway, got over to the uh, first survivor and, um, you know, that was all swell. One o'clock, two o'clock position, deliver the basket. 
Um, it would have been nice to be able to do a double aviator so we wouldn't have to be there longer, but I'm like, got them in there, stabilize the basket, take them up, bear hook, take me up. Now we got to go find the sailboat. This whole evolution that's taken 10 minutes or so, that, that boat with 50 knot winds is a couple miles down coast. We go reestablish with that, uh, with the boat again get the next person out into the water. We're gonna do it again, same thing, go over, pick that guy up. And uh, that went pretty well too. I'm saying, hey, this is all right. I mean, I like not getting bashed into the rocks, you know, we're just kind of skimming down the waves. Uh, what a different almost, one case to Almost fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I get him into the basket and that goes well. I said, okay, waiting for the bear hook, gonna go to my harness. And uh, I'm sure you've been on training flights when you're not necessarily directly underneath the helicopter when they pull you up. And yeah. you know, you wanna be directly underneath, so you just come straight up. That's the goal. Well, I'm holding the cable, you know, as the waves are breaking over me because I don't want any appendages or anything caught in the cable waiting for this second bear hook pickup. Uh, well, the strop was probably on there, but you know, I'm just hooking to my harness and, uh, all of a sudden I feel the cable starting to tighten up and I'm still out at three o'clock and I'm going like this wave is going to come out from underneath me. And the hoist is now 200 feet per second coming up, trying to take up the slack. I, I came out of the water so fast i thought my fins were still left in there i felt like a bullet coming out of the barrel of a gun and i'm at the three o'clock position and i go like oh this is gonna be a hell of a ride <laughs> so i popped out of that wave and i was so far out that i'm holding on to the 316 inch cable and i'm gonna go like i'm gonna go underneath the helicopter and as I watch the cable wrap around the bottom of the helicopter, I'm going to like, I'm going to end up looking at the avionics man. And I telling you, I came around underneath the bottom of the helicopter and I started wondering, I don't think there's enough for me to go up into the rotor blade on the other side. <laughs> but I started thinking about it. <laughs> Essentially when I stopped, I was like this and I'm looking at you right now and I'm like, that's the co-pilot. And I'm like, Hey, dude, What's up? at least I'm not going in the rotor blade and now we're back and you know, the cable has so much give, so it's not really yeah. shocking on your back. Oh uh -huh. yeah. Sarcasm. And I, Insert sarcasm. And, 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 and by the way, that was before we had those nice harnesses now that go down around your butt. This is the ones that are right underneath your scapula and, and just everything's right on your shoulders and back. Anyway, the ride back around to see the flight mech wasn't as bad. And eventually we got up into the helicopter and uh, there we go. We got those two folks off of their boat and back to Santa Cruz or wherever the heck we dropped them off. Uh, was an awesome Thanksgiving day. And uh, after that, I knew I could finish my career. I was like, I'm good. I'm all right. I got this. <laughs> Steve, that, that's like seven months apart, you know, like you, you're getting bashed yeah. into rocks and then seven months later, you're in 20, 25 foot swells, pulling people off the sailboat. 
Yeah. That is that is crazy awesome. Like <laughs> man, I am here all day. Let's let's keep going. Cause you're in Cape <laughs> Cod. And I know Cape Cod had some gnarly stuff. We listened to Labo. Uh it's unreal over there. So yeah. The Cape Cod, as far as cold, uh probably a night flight up by uh, New Hampshire, right at the mouth of the Merrimack River. So you're from Boston, you know where that is. Oh yeah, yeah. You got and so, you know, the ice chunks, yeah. the ice chunks are coming down the Merrimack River. We're out there at night. And as we know, our dry suits aren't necessarily totally dry. Um, we're out there and it's, you know, you used to have to say at 28 degrees, salt water freezes. So when we would get in the cabin, we'd be like, okay, no more swimmer ops because uh, we're just getting iced back here. And uh, let's just say I was down there and I'm like, they're like signal with the uh, Mark 13 night end of the flare. Okay, so we're doing that. And typically you grab the other half that's not warm. I'm I'm hugging the flare to keep warm. And then I'm there like, I'm going to pop the day in just to get the heat off the other side with the orange smoke. Oh it's just gosh. like, it's a little chilly that night. Yeah. <laughs> got to do what you got to do. I remember doing stuff like that up in Alaska too. Like you just, you get cold, you get cold. You know, you got ice chunks bumping into you. You're like, what the heck was that? <laughs> um, oh. and, and if we jump back a little bit to, uh, you know, I know you're, you were very interested in the beginning. Uh, you know, we, we did, it took a lot for us to get people to realize we could be useful. And, and, you know, I had been at Cape Cod before I went to San Fran and we used to go and uh, do air shows with the Canadians. Uh, nice. Windsor, Detroit, and they had what they called Sartex. And uh, I don't know how much you know about this, but the Sartex had what we called was like, man, that's state-of-the-art stuff back in 1982 or whatever. Okay. And uh, the way their operations used to work was the pilots would be in charge. They'd get on scene. Once they got on scene, they said, okay, Sartex, what do you, how do you want to do this? You know, you tell us what you want us to do. You're the one that's going to coordinate ground, you know, interface with the helicopter and we'll put you wherever you want. And they had, uh, they actually had quick release pigtails that, you know, instead of getting spun all the way around and wait for them to get you on the deck, if they felt they were three feet off deck, they could pop off and then they had an extra little pigtail that they could rehook to the, to uh, go back up. But we always said, yeah, you know, this was before we had rescue swimmers. And we're like, why don't we have Sartex? Why don't we have people that can coordinate what's going on on the ground with what the helicopter can do? We could be so much more efficient than just dropping down a basket or, you know, having people climb in and coordinate. Well, everything that you guys do now. Right. It's a and, great idea. Um, yeah, it's brilliant, actually. Like, and, to have and it, somebody uh, that knows what they're doing on the ground coordinate with the guys in the air is it's a right it's it, it seems like common sense but it took a lot to get people to figure that out and uh 
so you gotta you gotta balance uh i'm on the west coast first class rescue swimmer operational uh probably the senior operational guy for a few years on the whole west coast in the 80s because as you know uh, a lot of people that came out of the rate that went to pensacola you used to put like you know po1 po2 po3 on your white t-shirt when you're swimming in your and doing your pool work guys used to go out there day one and it just said uh dor drop on request boom so yeah guys that think they they don't have quite the mindset to get through it right and so we went out to a boat that was sinking off of bodega bay which again this whole area was the great white capital of the world between Fairlawn Islands, Bodega Bay, and Santa Cruz back in the day. Yeah. We and, used to um, see them quite a bit up in Humboldt, too. Yeah. Uh, and so this boat is taking on water. We got there right before it was dark. It was, you know, it was not a stormy night, but it was, you know, just your typical eight, eight, 10 foot swells, you know, no, no breaking surf, just a, a West Coast swell. And um, we got there, we delivered the pump and he, he couldn't get the pump started. And I'm like, put me down on the boat. Well, the 44 is gonna be here in a little bit. Let's wait for them. Cause it's early in the program. We don't wanna, you know, and I kind of get it. The aircraft commanders were like, yeah, I don't wanna put another person in danger. I'm just, just, you don't even have to put me on the boat. Just I'll go over there, get the pump started. That's our gear. I, I, we'll figure out what's wrong. No, no, no. Now it's getting dark. 44 foot is still not there. 44 foot gets there and says, it's dark. We can't get anybody on board. Well, what do you think now, Steve? I said, oh, I think I would have liked to do this 45 minutes ago when it was still light, but <laughs> sure. Let's go for it now. You know what? Cause we like to make things harder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so again, night deployment, upwind, you work your way over to the vessel and it's like you know what it's like when you get up to a, a boat and it's like how am I going to get up there I'm in the water and it's a four or five foot rise there well thankfully it was eight to ten foot swells and the boat was sinking so the swells were almost going over the back and I said oh this is easy I'm just going to time the swell and I ride an eight foot wave up to the back and I turn around set my ass on the side of the boat and the swell goes away and I'm like Hey, that's, I didn't even have to work hard. <laughs> Swing my feet in, get my fins off. Um, easy breezy, get the pump running. It just had grounded out with the spark plug at the top, pumping it out. And uh, I'm like, great. And I said, hey, don't send another pump until I see what's wrong with this. Meanwhile, while I'm troubleshooting, I get that pump running. We're dewatering the vessel. They're trying to drop another pump only it's nighttime now, they get the outrigger of the boat's outrigger up into the sponson of the H3. They kick the pump out from 35 feet, which splits the case. And now that pump is pretty much useless. But uh, more bugging me was they go like, uh, I'm like, all right, 44 is on scene. I've got the pump running. I'm ready for pickup. And I'm looking at their tail rotor. There's, we're low on fuel. We're going to leave you there, Steve. And they're like, what? what? what the heck? This was, I was in a wetsuit at 
now 10 o'clock at night and now your adrenaline's running down the boat's safe I've, now i've got a line from the 44 footer to this boat we're under tow with a 44 footer going back to bodega bay and uh i'm like now i'm, I'm starting to get cold <laughs> and, and you know the fishermen's there like well you can put these on i said you, the pants that are standing in the corner and smell like dead fish. It, yeah, and it, and I climbed into them. <laughs> but, you know, it was only for four hours. By two in the morning, we were back in Bodega Bay. Yeah, at and, that uh, point, you're, you had already gone through anger, and now you're just sleepy. You're like, yeah, yeah I was angry. done with Dabda. I'm so angry at them for leaving me. They just put me down but, in the daytime. I could have had this whole thing done. Exactly. And, and, I, and I'd like to think that that was one of the earlier on cases when the pilot said, hey, that worked out pretty well for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's oh just think God. about using them a little more often. You know, I, I'll tell you what, I, I want to take that case and I just want to break that down a little bit and, and Monday morning quarterbacking because there are a lot of people out there that don't quite understand how useful the guy is that can go down and repair the gear that we work on like the, the pump that was our thing that's what we did we inspected the pump once a month we ran them we did overhauls we did oil changes we did we do those pumps inside and out like if we're delivering it from the aircraft send me down send me with it i'll just fire it up we'll get it going and say hey you need another one i got you you know but to have yeah. a guy on the ground i i and i believe me i understand the mindset and the idea of the pilots and, and sending another guy into the imminent danger. But that is what we are trained to do. Put us in, put me in coach. I got it. Yeah. And, and again, it was as simple as the pump when it got deployed, that ground out switch just bumped up to the spark plug. You just bend that back pump started first pull, go yeah. do it. Would have been done during the day. Yeah. <laughs> 45 minutes earlier and said you're burning fuel and, waiting for somebody else to show up on scene. Right. And then uh, saying, bye, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's terrible. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> good job, Steve. Same yeah. day again. Um, you have to do a lot of, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I listened to Steve Hathaway's podcast and I don't want to cover all that, but you guys talked, it went in depth about the mental uh, psyche or whatever. It's, you just can't be a quitter and you've got to want to get it done. And, and um, that's, a, that's a pretty important aspect to that. Uh, I, I don't know if they still had the, uh, oh, the, I think it was Senior Chief Kabicki. And I never really, I knew him at swimmer school, I think, uh, I don't know, Earl Kabicki. Anyway, he's, he coined a term, I remember hearing it, what the mind can conceive the body will achieve. Wow. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, that's pretty good. I have not heard that one. I like that. Um, so what, whatever you can conceive, the body will achieve. And, you know, that was a big point of, you know, doing all of the stuff that we did to get through school and cases. Yeah. Well, I will say that, you know, like even a school now, they, they've done a very good job when I went through and what they're doing now to prepare everybody for what 
what's really out there. You know, like swimmer school is no joke. And for anybody that's thinking of going, like you, you better get your game face on because it is, it's a, it's a tough school to get through, but it is exactly what you need because that's what you're going to see in the real world. And it's, it's no joke in the real world too. Like Steve, like, I mean, look what you're doing. You're doing 20 foot waves. You're getting smashed into rocks. You know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, and, and there was a lot of friction at the beginning. And, and I, I tried to be a buffer between what we needed to do and the mindset of changing the Coast Guard. And, and you know, I retired as an ASM. And I know it's ASTs now. But um, I, I, I used to get rubbed when, you know, I'm, I'm the chief. And they're like, oh, let's go down to the swimmer shop. I said, it's an ASM shop. I was like, no, we're going to go to the swimmer shop. I go, and like, okay, then I'm not going to see you in operations. I'll meet you at the pilot shop. And they're going, what do you mean the pilot shop? I said, well, that's the pilot shop up there. Operations. Isn't that where all your pilots hang out? Yeah. Just <laughs> we're ASMs. They're ADs. It just helped to further the divide at the time amongst people and, you know, prima donnas, the whole bit. Um, but I'm the, Long time, long time, way back. Back in the day. Yeah. Even so, my youngest son's actually a H sixty five pilot. Oh, and, good for uh, him. Good run. And so, you know, he'll say things like that. He'll say, uh, "So, Dad, I was down in the swimmer shop." I said, "It's an AST shop, but go ahead." <laughs> you know, if it, like at this point in the game, it's every one of us call it the swimmer shop. Yeah, hey, swimmer shop. I know. <laughs> sorry steve <It's> okay <laughs> oh that's funny that's good stuff um, steve, this is awesome it's uh okay I, actually some people said you shouldn't say this one steve i said well i'm, I'm gonna tell this one because some people find it funny <laughs> i'm gonna enjoy it and Which uh, is all that really matters you know this right because this, huh? is, this is our interview. This is you and me. Okay. So new in the game, you know, we start having ELTs, emergency locating transmitters. Pew, Satellites pew, are being pew, put. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, those. We're going to get to that. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so come on duty. And they're like, yeah, this, we're, we're getting a ELT off of out by the fair lines. You guys got to go get that thing secured or whatever. It's just, we don't know what's up. We had a helicopter fly over a vessel earlier. They didn't seem to be in distress, but this has just been going on for hours. Okay, so fly out there, DF, direction find, find the vessel. It's got to be that boat. Can't hail them, can't do whatever. It's like, all right, Steve, jump out, swim over, see what's going on in the boat. Sure. No problem. Climb up on board. Uh, again, this was this was fun because it's daylight. It's there's maybe a one or two foot little swell going on. It's it's actually you know this is just a day. And climb up on board, and two two folks are on there, and the boats. I can hear the engine running, but I immediately realize there's going to be a communication issue because. Um, these folks are, I'm going to say, perhaps Vietnamese fishermen or whatever. Okay. And I'm like, hey, I'm Steve. I'm a rescue swimmer. 
you guys doing okay? What can I help you with? And it's San Francisco transmission. And I'm like, okay, I think what I understand is your vessel's not, your engine's working, but your transmission's not, San Francisco transmission. And I'm like, okay, I think I got it. Your, vote, your boat's working, but you can't go into drive. That's why you're out here and there's a problem. Group, rescue swimmer, go ahead swimmer. Uh, they, they, they need a tow. Okay, swimmer, uh, can you uh, get us the uh, vessel owner's name? <laughs> Stand by. <laughs> so I go into the pilot house and I'm trying to communicate that I need to know vessel owner. Uh, I, I, I don't speak any other language like this, but I'm looking at owner of the vessel. How do I communicate that to you? And I'm going through the drawers and, uh, you know, all of a sudden I find this piece of paper and it's got like address for San Francisco with a vessel, whatever, paperwork. Yep. And I'm like, uh, group, rescue swimmer. Yeah, go ahead, swimmer. It's like, uh, vessel owner, Ningpakwa. <laughs> of course, now you start into November, Oscar, Papa, Kilo. Oscar, uh, you know, it's like, it's like, and by the way, can we get a translator? Oh my God. <laughs> so, so there, see, and other swimmers get this because they've been there, but you're just trying to take care of this situation. They're like, okay, we're going to get on that swimmer. Uh, uh, now, can you secure the uh, ELT? And I'm like, stand by. So now I'm looking around the boat and I see where it looks like the ELT should be mounted, you know, cause it's kind of looks like a life ring, but the, it's not there. So I'm pointing, I'm like, uh, ELT, EPIRB, emergency locating beacon. And, and finally I just look at the guy and I start going and I look at him, Quinny, and I go, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Just like you, just like you're saying, it's like I speak ELT. <laughs> now I continue to look around the vessel, and the next thing I know, about three minutes later, he's standing there and he's got the EPIRB in his hand, and I'm like, perfect. It's in the on position, off position. Group swimmer, yeah. I think we've taken care of this. Yeah, ELT secured. Let's get out of here. Did, uh, but I, I often wonder what people think when you get onto a vessel and you're dressed in an orange suit with black fins, mask and snorkel, SAR-1, and you're just like, and somebody's looking at you going, pew, pew. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Hilarious. That's awesome. We, we get it done. I'll take the next story. I'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This communication wasn't as bad. This guy was German or Euro European descent. He uh, he fell off his windsurfing board in the bay and uh, the incoming tide. And I know you guys talked about how, you know, like where Steve was, there's a seven current, seven knot current going through there when tides come in and out. Right. So this guy gets knocked off his windboard, 
he's holding on to the bridge, one of the bridges going through the San Francisco Bay. It wasn't the Golden Gate. It wasn't the Bay Bridge. It was the next one, the High Rise Bridge or something. Uh, so the anyway, the Oakland Bridge. Uh, further down, like San Mateo. Oh, okay. Yep. San Mateo Bridge, probably. Anyway, report comes in. Man's underneath the San Mateo Bridge, waving his arms. We get over there. Steve, want to go see? Yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> Jump in. Eddie out behind the stanion. You know, so if, for those people that aren't sure about reading currents and whatnot, but when water goes around a rock or a pier or something that gets an eddy and it's a backflow of water so swimming up into that point was easy getting up to where you could get on is where you had to go out into that seven knot current and you know i'm like all right let's put it into high gear and i start swimming and uh you know people that remember gi joe lifelike hair gi joe whatever in the 60s they had one that you put baking soda in his back and his arms would start to to move when you put him in the pool yeah yeah and basically that's what i looked like when i was trying to swim up along there i'm just like <sighs> but uh, anyway we got up onto the bridge thing and i get to this guy and i'm like hey i'm steve hey, how are you doing you okay any injuries or something first thing he looked at me he goes how much cost <laughs> like, what do you mean how much cost I said, <laughs> oh, God. we're just going to get you out of the bridge out from underneath here and we're going to go for a ride in the hill how much pay <laughs> He's, I, for, you know, I'm like hey my name's steve what do i call you he says call me george he knew a little bit of English. I don't know what his real name was, but he said to call him George. So we got him out of there. Let's go for a ride. It's a beautiful day. It's fun. Steve, that's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. You had some real good ones in San Fran, huh? Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, uh, all of those, I, I just, I do, I, I know I told you I hadn't thought of, these, thought of these stories for a long time, but it's just like so many things, and I really had, I did have fun. I had fun. Oh, I'm Made it fun. Good time. I, I love what we do. I love this job. There's nothing. Oh, like I'm talking that. about all the rescues. Yeah, 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 that too. <laughs> oh. um, so... It, it, it was interesting and, uh, and I enjoyed it. And, and I do say that the more as I, you know, as I became more senior, I, I really wanted to look out for those guys, get them trained, make sure they were ready. Uh, I know that over the door in Cape Cod when I left, it was uh, important for me. I had a guy that was really good at stenciling and it just said, know your limitations. And, and whenever you walked out of that door, to go to do a, a flight or a case or whatever, just big letters, know your limitations. Nice. And uh, that's, good that's uh, it. But then they said, well, how, how do we know that? I said, Haha, that's the thing. We're going to train. <laughs> and I said, we're going to get to the point. Yeah. I said, the good news for you is I'm never going to ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do. The bad news for you is, at this point, there's probably about nothing I won't. <laughs> so you guys are in trouble. <laughs> oh, man. 
Awesome. Game on. <laughs> yeah. To, to the point where uh, you, you guys, you must have done some wet drills. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, swim tests. Who, who's going to administer the swim tests? The ASTs, the ASMs. Yep. We're running wet drills. And uh, yeah, people would say, you ASMs, you're always getting free sneakers. Yeah, we get free sneakers. Yeah, we, we work out. I said, I tell you what. I said, I'll get you a pair of free sneakers if you can do the ASM swim test instead of the Coast Guard swim test. <laughs> and he's like, what's that? Yeah, yeah. I said, and then they well, instead of, just your, instead of just your helmet and your flight suit and your boots and your one vest, you know, to simulate your swimming from the helicopter, I said, we do four times the weight, four times the distance. Plus underwater. Just go ahead and do, huh? Plus, Plus the underwater. underwater. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Don't and uh, <laughs> I tell you what, the guy watched me, he says, you have to demonstrate it. I said, sure. Yeah. Four vests, boots. You, it's a lot of weight, but he, that guy almost made it too. If it wouldn't have been for the underwater, he probably would have got a free pair of shoes. <laughs> uh, didn't quite pass it. Sorry. Sorry. No, nope. come back next year. We'll be here again. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's hilarious. I love it. I absolutely love it. But uh, yeah, and I, I do, uh, I, I was really surprised when you called and said, hey, let's talk about some stuff. And uh, especially when I knew some of the folks that you know. And uh, well, I'm glad you came on. I really am. Like I, I love talking about this stuff. I really do. It's it's kind of a ridiculous sickness at this point. <laughs> but yeah, you know why I like it so much though, Steve, is because like I can relate. And you know, like when you hear these stories, they're just oh I like I, I just I love it. Like I know the big waves. I know the the cliff stuff you're talking about, you know. And, you get dropped off, you know, you left on scene. I get it. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, a lot of people, you talk to them, it's like, I, I have to tell you, it's like, at the time when we do that stuff, it's like, it's a job. That's what we do. That's what we're here for. Yep. It's like, decades later, it's like, it's freaking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Some of the stuff I look at back, back at it, like, whoo. That was crazy. I wouldn't change it for the world, though. Like you, I mean, just I had a good time. I'm still having a good time. I enjoy it. I, I love what I do. So I do have to say that I think that, you know, when you start to go with your family to, uh, I don't know, to Disney World or Universal, it's just the rides just don't, nope. you know, they're okay. They're it's right. a good ride. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. But, that was good. <laughs> okay it's kind of fun so like total side note i you know you and i very comfortable in the water and you know talking about like the the movements of the waters and following the swells and stuff uh, my wife and i go on vacation and next thing i know i'm in like this area and, and the guys in the boat are like no no no, you cannot go over there and i'm like what do you mean it's just it's just a, it's just barely above the water and like oh the tide is too bad and 
I'm like, no, it's not. So I ended up over there. Mel's, my wife is like, oh my God, what are you doing? I'm like, hon, it's fine. It's easy. I go over there, hang out, and then I leave. No problems. But I guess they had a couple people really get hurt there. So <laughs> yeah, whatever. When you've been trained the way we have, you understand what you're going into. So right. Awesome. And, and a lot of people don't understand that. Nope. But I'm, it, it's it's fun to downplay it too. And it's like I I uh I had a guy, he said I, I was helping out a Boy Scout troop and they needed me to become an aquatics director. And they said, You gotta do a swim test, Steve. All right, well, I'll meet the guy down there. And he said, like, yeah, you know you have to swim 500 yards and without a rest in the deep end, you have to stop and tread water for two minutes. <laughs> like, I, I think I can do that even at my age. <laughs> I wouldn't even question it. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then, then he goes, now are you ready for the second part? And they're like, sure. He goes, you have to leave from the shallow end, do a front crawl to the deep end, surface dive 11 feet, pick up the brick and then swim back. And you only have a minute and 20 seconds to do it. So I, so I do it and I come back and he goes, dude, you, you did that in like 35 seconds. And I'm like, did you need me to do it faster? I was just kind of going along. <laughs> He goes like, no, a lot of people have trouble with that. And I'm like, okay. Nice. Later on, I told him I was a retired Coast Guard rescue swimmer. And he's like, oh, kind of like, uh, what's that thing when the boss is like uh, undercover boss? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Steve, that's awesome. We'll be good. Yeah. But Holy smoke. Anyway. Uh, yeah, well, lots of good times. You, friend. If you want to tell a couple more, I'm all in. If you want to, uh, if you want to call it. You, you know, it, 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 a lot of team stuff before swimmers and just Coast Guard in general. I think I obviously, I retired before Katrina, you know. I, I mean, well, let's just say I, I retired last century. <laughs> and so, the greatest part about um, that is you retired last century uh in 1999 and you still remember these cases like they were yesterday that's yeah well people will tell you i'm a cross between dustin hoffman and rain man and tom hanks and forrest gump so whether that's a good thing or not when you get to know april 1st then that's just the way it is but uh I think if I was to put a plug out for the Coast Guard in, in everything that they did in Katrina, Katrina um, you know, that's their standardization and for people to come across and, and that's more than even the rescues and everything is that you've talked about how brothers and swimmers and, and, but the Coast Guard in general, aviation specifically, you could take a pilot from one place, a co-pilot from another place, a flight mechanic, and a swimmer from four different units and within five to seven minutes you guys are all functioning uh standard and and got each other's back yep. you never even knew the guy it's amazing and 
it is, it's an amazing thing to be able to say and, and to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, that's something I'll, I think it's probably the thing that I'll miss the most out of the Coast Guard is that you had people that could do that kind of stuff. And, uh, and in fact, I remember Steve was talking about, you know, how do you get your quals? Like if you're a swimmer, but you still, I always kept my flight mech quals and I actually became an avionics man on the H3. I had all three positions and we took off one day and I was all three and I was like doing the radio check, getting the flight things, you know, swimmer thing in the back. Anyway, uh, I had another swimmer that was flight mech qual. So it's like, Hey, how are we going to get our mins? And I said, I'll be the swimmer for you. You be the swimmer for me. And we'll just swap out. And, uh, uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself on this one thing. It was like, I, I had always joked around about how the uh, Canadians, when I talked about the Sartex, you know, we had our standard is on hot mic, you know, go on hot mic, con me in, blah, blah, blah. This was H3 days, forward and right, forward and right, you know, hold, paying out slack, all of that stuff. And uh, really good. the XO of the air station was flying in the right seat that day. And I said, I just got to do this. So it's like, I get up there and I'm like, in my best having fun voice, I'm like, right. I said, <laughs> I'm like, got target in sight, forward and right, 25, forward and right, 20, easy forward and right. And then there's, you know, paying out slack. And then it's like, I, it, this was the best thing. Instead of hold, it was like, on top, stop. So we do the whole evolution, retrieve the basket and pull everything in. And, and uh, you know how you debrief each evolution, you know, say, well, we did this or we could do this better. The, the XO goes like, I wasn't sure that was standard terminology. <laughs> just in the back of the H3, just like, you know, we, we got to have fun. Got to have a good time. Man, I love it. <laughs> Hence, April 1st. April, April Fools. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. I had to do it. It's just in me. But, uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. And uh, I, I hope you have a great time interviewing more folks. Hey, thanks. Uh, when I get guys like you, I, it's not... It's not hard because you guys just come with such good stories. I, I just, man, I love it. I, I love listening to this stuff. So, oh well. And, uh, so with that, you guys, you know, you, I'm guessing you went to East City, swam there, rescue swimmer, and you know, obviously, I went to Lakehurst, was out in the field for three, four years before, you know, the swimmer program. And I, I always enjoyed the fact because we wanted the Sartex and we wanted to go to rescue swimmer school. And I, like I made first class and then I was in rescue swimmer school, like three days later. Wow. And, and, uh, uh, back then, uh, you know, it was the Navy school and it was pre-Marecki yep. and, uh, in, I, I don't know if you're familiar with that and if we need to explain that a, uh, a Navy guy died at rescue swimmer training school. Yeah, uh, most of us, well, I know it very well. Uh, you know, we've talked about it with uh, Butch Flythe 
and we talked about it with a little bit with uh, Steve Hathaway. So, yeah, if you haven't but, heard that, go listen to those. That'll give you a full explanation as to what happened. So, yeah, and but you know that's the way they were training us down there. And again, they're just trying to stress you as much as they can in a swimming pool. And uh, when you say about things that you remember. Uh, you know, I ended up being the class leader because I had, I was a first class petty officer and we only had 15 in our class. And I think it was me and one other Coast Guard guy and the rest were Navy guys. And um, you, you, I don't even know, they must still do sharks and daisies. Uh, Are you familiar with that? I am familiar with that, yeah. <laughs> so the, basically you're swimming in the deep end of the pool for a couple of hours and all the instructors that day get to jump on you and you just have to practice your holds and releases yeah. it's simple as that and uh i think they changed it well i remember being called the bullpen when i was in swimmer school or something to that effect where you had everybody around you just kind of close your eyes swim in a circle yeah you just swim in circles and yeah do all your releases and stuff and uh so this poor one Navy kid got pulled in the center and the, the lead instructor, Petty Officer Mitchell, and for really old guys that went to Lake uh, to, to Pensacola, they'll remember Petty Officer Mitchell. He basically looked like the guy from the Green Mile or the, yeah, you know. Just a he piece was just of a guy? Big guy. And he just took this kid into the center and the kid was just screaming for half hour 45 minutes and it's just echoing off of the pool walls please i i dor i dor it's like it was bothering me and it still does and it's like you know 35 40 years ago like that poor kid but um yeah you know we wrote on our i know i talked with other swimmers i said you know some of these guys they know when to stop and some guys don't and you need to watch those guys and it wasn't too long after that, that that uh, incident happened down there. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, that's like, you know, like you said, that's the kind of stuff you do in school as best you can. Prepare you for the best you can for the real world when you get in there. Cause you know, like, I, I say it more often than not, you know, mother nature does not care. So it doesn't care what kind of training you've been through and color male, female, it doesn't care. It's it's gonna yep. jack you up. And if you're not mentally and physically prepared for it, then you are not gonna win that battle. So yeah. And uh yeah, so that and then that, that's like you uh like I said, you've got to get as much as you can trained and do whatever you can to prepare for, and then the other variables will take over. Yep. And uh, you know, I think uh you know, I, I go and I watch sunsets now and somebody asked me, what's your favorite sunset? And I said, well, I said, in particular, we went on a guy in another sailboat. It was only like 15 foot waves and it was right near being dark. And, uh, and somehow or other, I knew at that point in my career that when I did that thing and, you know, I jump out, still, you know, swim over and the guy's looking at me and his eyes are huge. And he's like, what are you doing? And I said, well, you went off the boat. That's the ride. Come on in. This is nothing. Come on. We'll go. It's all, my name's Steve. Come on, let's go. Come in and there we go. And I got him in the basket, easy breezy. And 
hooked up and I, I I'm telling you if it could have been a movie kind of going up the sun's coming down as I'm just spinning around on the hook as I'm coming up I'm just going like I think this might be one of the last times I'm coming out of the water grabbing somebody with a decent swell or whatever and I said probably one of my favorite sunsets wow Oh. You know what? That's a great lead into saying goodbye. Uh, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm good with that. That was amazing. Steve, but, um, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all these stories. This, is, this has been an absolute pleasure to have you, without a doubt. So um, if you ever think of any more and you want to share, just give me a call. I'll, I'll get you back on here. I'll, I'll start to bury those things again now. <laughs> As long as you remember that sunset. And you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and I'm going to watch the sunset today and, and think about you. All right? Just saying. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Steve Fry. And with that, we are out of here. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com. That's jason at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q.com. You can also check us out on our web pages, therealrescue.com our Facebook page, and our Instagram page, at The Real Rescue. Again, a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember, when that star alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>